Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode, excuse me, of Everyday Truth. So glad that you joined us. Of course, as always, have a a postcard here from Doug Binkley. Doug, thanks for sending another postcard uh, on vacation in the Great Smoky Mountains. Motorcycle rider, bicycle rider, and uh, Doug, thanks for uh, sending that out and giving me a good reminder of some great memories that I have of the Smoky Mountains. One year, my family and I took a vacation to a cabin in the Great Smokies, and we have great, great memories of that trip. So thanks for the postcard. We're in uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, and I I told you last episode I wanted to uh, finish up a little section that we were that we had just begun, and where the Lord was really speaking to the essence of why God's people were being judged. And what God said is, you've, you've forsaken my law, which I put right in front of you. It's not like you didn't have opportunity. It's not as if I didn't tell you what my expectations were or who I was. It wasn't that you didn't, you could not have access to me or didn't know me. It's that you refused all of it. Look at verse number 14. You've walked after the imagination of, uh, they've walked after the imagination of their own heart. See, when we don't follow the Lord, we've got to follow something. When we don't take the Lord's counsel, we've got to take somebody's counsel. When we're not consumed with God's desires, we have to follow some desire. And what the Bible says here is that they were following their own heart. Now, what's interesting is if I were to say that to the average person on the street today, hey, just follow your heart, they would, they would view that as a compliment. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of the thing you say to people. At, at, at a graduation, uh, at, a, at a wedding ceremony, well, you know, just follow your heart, follow your heart. That's the worst advice you could give somebody. Why? Because the human heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? We, we learned that in this, very, in this very book. The point here is not that uh, we follow our heart. The, the, the point here is that we follow God and God will give us a heart like his. The important thing is to Focus on the Lord and let God do those things inside of us, but not this, not this, not these people. They were following their own heart. And the Bible says, and after Baalim or Baal. So Baal was the fertility god of that day. And there were different forms of Baal. That's why the plural is used here. And is it not interesting that the followers of their own heart? are also worshiping Baal. Now, why? Why would they go together? Which one is it? Is it they follow their heart or is it that they follow they follow Baal? And the answer is both because the human heart wants to satisfy itself. The human heart wants to make its flesh feel good. The human heart wants what it can get now. And that's what the false gods promised. Uh, the false gods with with some of their deviant sexual practices and their sensuality and all of that played into what people want. So you can know this, when a religion gives people what they want, not what they need, that is a destructive religion, is it not? 
And so the Bible says they walked after their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. And that may be the saddest part of all of it. And that is these people have been enculturated to follow their own heart. Uh, they had been enculturated to feed their own flesh and worship uh, in a way that was going to be fleshly. They had been, why? Because their fathers had taught them that. Uh, they learned this growing up. Remember we talked about uh, last chapter how the, the mother was making the food and the father was, was making the fire and the kids were gathering sticks uh, for false worship. It was like a family deal. And the entire family was involved in this kind of apostasy. Verse number 15, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, we've talked about those terms already, Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. So whenever you see those two together, wormwood and gall, that's always metaphoric language for bitterness and resentment. So God said, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to chase these gods. You're going to follow the pathway of your heart. You're going to do it because that's what your dad did. And one day you're going to realize that only brings regret. It's going to bring bitterness. It's going to bring resentment. And God says, and I'm going to bring that. I'm going to feed you with that. I'm going to bring things into your life to show you. And even that's a, a, an element of God's mercy. I'm going to bring things into your life to show you that sin is not worth it. Idolatry is not worth it. Living for yourself and for your fleshly desires is not worth it. Chasing your heart to the exclusion of knowing God is not worth it. And God says, I'm going to show you that by feeding you that. A sin tastes great, no doubt about it, but it has a horrible aftertaste. It always gives you a stomach ache. And that's what's happening here. Verse number 16, I will scatter them. Here's one of the ways by which God is going to bring that bitterness and resentment to bear in their lives. I will scatter them also among the heathen, whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send a sword after them till I have consumed them. So there will be captivity and there will be destruction and death. And we find that to be true. In the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem, some went into captivity to places that they had never been and to live among people that they did not know. It's almost as if the judgment suited the crime. We refuse to know God. So God says, okay, then I'm going to judge you by putting you into a captivity of a place where you don't know those taskmasters. You don't know those leaders. But unlike me, who is God and merciful and powerful and loving and forgiving, uh, they will be none of those things. And then some will not even make it because my sword will consume them. And indeed, that's what we what we found to be true in 586 BC after the writing of this, as God predicted some of the city was indeed taken into captivity, just as this verse predicts, and some were consumed by the sword, just as this verse describes. Verse 17, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider ye and call for the mourners, call for the mourning women 
that they may come and send for cunning women that they may come. Now, what does this mean? Call for the mourning women? M-O-U-R, you're not, if you're not reading it, M-O-U, mourning like in crying or lamenting, the mourning women and the cunning women. What does that mean? Call for the mourning women. Well, what that means is back in Bible days, when there was a funeral or a time of great lamentation, maybe a natural disaster took place, then what would happen is people would come out and mourn. And there were actually people who would kind of get the ball rolling, so to speak. Uh, Jesus talked about this in, in one of his uh, indictments of Capernaum and Chorazan and Bethsaida. And what he said that the, 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 the paid mourners were they who would come out and cry at a funeral. Remember at the, the, uh, uh, the house of Jairus and his daughter, the 12-year-old who died, the paid mourners had already shown up. And Jesus said, she's not dead, she's, she's sleeping. And they, they laughed at him. Why? Because they dealt with death all the time. And the point here is that, hey, call for the people that mourn. Why? Because it's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. And it's going to be a time of great, uh, of great weeping. Verse number uh, 18, let them make haste, take up a wailing for us, that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids gush out with waters. For a voice of wailing is heard out of Zion. Zion oftentimes was used as a, uh, a symbol of Jerusalem or of the entire nation, God's, God's people. How are we spoiled? Not, not spoiled like a two-year-old who gets a candy bar, but spoiled in the sense of the spoils of war. How, how have we lost everything? How have we lost our resources, our houses, our valuables to a a foreign entity that has come in and taken spoil, the spoils of war. How are we spoiled? We are greatly confounded. We're confused. To be confounded means I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't have any options. That's what sin does. When we live in our sin, we, we face horrible consequences for our sin. And then it's like, what do I do? Where do I go? My life's a wreck. I need counsel. I need help. I need someone to bail me out. I need, and I can't find any of it. See, that's what sin does. It, it brings us to a place of confounding. And the Bible says, uh, how are we greatly confounded? Because we have forsaken the land. Because our dwellings have cast us out. And we have no options. Sin has brought us to a place where we don't have a, a house. We don't have a field. We don't have Food, the harvest is past and the summer is ended and we're not saved and God has judged us. And wow, sin just brings horrible confusion, doesn't it? Verse 20, yet hear the word of the Lord. See, yet hear the word of the Lord, O you women. Let your ear receive the word of his mouth and teach your daughters wailing and everyone her neighbor lamentation. So this isn't going to be just a quick and easy thing. Like you cry and it's over. No, you better teach your children how to wail too. You better teach your children how to cry because the judgment that's coming will be generational. The judgment that's coming is not going to last an hour or a week or a month or a year. In fact, we know from other passages that the judgment that came lasted 70 years. We call that the Babylonian captivity with the all of what was entailed in it. So you better teach your children how to cry too, because this is going to infect you and the next generation 
and you and the next neighborhood. It's going to be all inclusive. It's going to be endemic, both in geography and in chronology. Verse 21, for death has come up into our windows and has entered into our palaces to cut off the children from without and the young men from the streets. So the death is, it's, it's pictured here like it's creeping in. It's climbing through the window. It's, it's as a parent looks out of a window of a house, of a palace. A death is going to be no respecter of persons. Your riches won't save you. Your status won't save you. And your children that are playing outside, uh, they're out in the streets, uh, they won't have any different faith than you will. It's going to come to rich and poor and old and young. It's going to come to everybody. And what a sad day that will be. Best, best to get right with God today. Why? Because we serve a God that should not be trifled with. Hope that helps today. We're going to finish the chapter uh, next episode, verses 22 through 26. In fact, we'll read some of the most famous verses in Jeremiah tomorrow and the really, really important verses. I hope you'll join us for that. Until then, have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.